Speeded Brown Shoe won't be seen tonight, so we could bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Home Alone. Alone. Doing the Home Alone face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Adam does that every time he puts aftershave on. <laughs> and he, true. His aftershave of choice? High karate. <laughs> Now listen, you filthy animals. Before uh, you come at us and say, "Yeah, what are you guys doing? Oh my goodness, it's it's a Christmas movie, not not a Thanksgiving Jim, it's movie. It's the first week of November. Yeah, I know, we know. It takes place during Christmas, but it came out on Thanksgiving. I saw it on Thanksgiving. It, yeah, yeah. And so for me, it's a Thanksgiving movie. Okay. Yeah. I will take that. I will take that. That's fine. Uh, it did come out on November 16th. Uh, take yourself back to 1990. On July 25th, Roseanne Barr infamously sings the Star Spangled Banner extremely poorly, causing controversy. Oh, yeah. Grabbed a crotch, spit. She spit. Oh, she was, it was Mugula. awful. Okay. <laughs> August 2nd, the first ban of smoking in bars in the U.S. and possibly the world is passed in San Luis Obispo, California. Ah, that's the beginning. I was so mad. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy now because I don't smoke, but I smoked. Right. I mean, you could smoke anywhere back in the day. Oh, it was incredible. Smoking on airplanes. I could smoke in Toys R Us, man. Just walking around the aisle smoking a cigarette. It's It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. You could smoke anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And now you can smoke nowhere. No. November 13th, the first known web page is written. Ugh. Yeah, the beginning of the end of society. Yeah. You know, smoking ban, good. Web page bad, yin yang. <laughs> no, three days later, uh, I don't think the first thing written about was Home Alone. So Home Alone was released on November 16th and grossed $17 million its first weekend, just 6% of oh, yeah. its total box office. It was crazy, man. I yeah. was in, I think it was Sewickley, Pennsylvania, at uh, one of my roommate's parents' houses for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I had a tradition of spending Thanksgiving with a friend of mine from high school. And so she and I would bounce around to different places every year, and we ended up in, at this place, and it was great, beautiful house, you know, nice. one of the, you know, everybody's cooking. It was a very traditional kind of Thanksgiving yeah, thing. Yeah. And then so we all went out to the movies, didn't really know a lot about this, oh. saw Home Alone. Um, maybe we had a little <laughs> <laughs> enhancement, a little THC, a little, but uh, yeah. oh man, blew us away. So funny, so it's great. It's such a great movie. It was the closest thing to a live-action Looney Tunes, and it, I'm a yes. huge yes. Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes fan. It was very well written, uh, written by producer and writer John Hughes, who we've talked about extensively before. Oh, yeah. Uh, he obviously has written some of the most amazing comedies ever. The, uh, the, probably the most iconic comedies of our of the Gen X generation. Yeah, agreed. Like uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, the European Vacation, Christmas Vacation. He was our Billy Wilder. He was <laughs> Mr. Mom, 16 Candles, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Pretty in Pink, some kind of wonderful planes, trains, and automobiles, which we'll mm. be covering later this month. And uh, she's having a baby, Uncle Buck. All of this. He was great huge. Movies. John oh, Hughes was huge. I love weirds. I can't wait till we do the Weird Science show. Yes. One of my absolute favorite comedies. Of all time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so John Hughes, he con conceived of Home Alone while preparing to go on vacation. He said... I was going away on vacation and making lists of everything I didn't want to forget. I thought, well, I'd better not forget my kids. <laughs> then I thought, what if I left my ten-year-old son at home? What would I do? He then wrote eight pages of notes and developed it into the screenplay that became Home Alone. Uh, imagining that children... Very good job, by the way. <laughs> it, was a, it was very close. I mean, if you've heard the commentary... Oh, my God, John Hughes, he's incredible. Uh, he sounds a lot like Gandalf. Imagining that children are naturally most scared of robbers, Hughes also worked that aspect in the plot of the film. Uh, are they, though? Are we? Were we? As children? I guess so. I, naturally most scared of robbers? I was more scared of Satan. I was naturally more scared of weird things yeah. that didn't exist. No, I was yeah. more scared. Robbers were way down on the list, man. I didn't even realize they the were Boogerman, Yeah. you know, yeah. Satan coming in and, <laughs> and possessing me. Uh, uh, that was a big one. Satan Ghosts. and the Boogerman. Yeah. New uh, comedy from ABC. Satan and the Boogerman. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Bloody Mary. Oh, Robbers Bloody Mary. Way down on the Bloody list. Mary Murderer, was, you know. was really high on my list. Yeah. 
Well, I get it though. Whatever. I was, it was raised very Catholic, so like that was that was <laughs> yeah. extremely frightening for me. Uh, so Home Alone was initially set to be financed and distributed by Warner Brothers. Hughes promised that he could make the movie for less than $10 million, considerably less than most feature film production budgets at the time. Since he had no idea if he would bring the movie in under $10 million, Hughes immediately went to 20th Century Fox before production to see if they would fund the project if Warner Brothers, you know, believed him when he said he could make it for the projected budget. Wait, what? He went to them and said, I can make it for less than $10 million. Right. Because he was like, ah, it's one location. I'm John Hughes. Yeah. Like, you, I, he had a, a billion movies Why that are amazing. I don't get it, though. He's hamstringing himself, and he's... Uh, yes, and then he immediately turned around and went to a different studio, and because he knew that, that Warner Brothers would, would essentially pull the plug. Yeah. Now, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but this is really bad to do in Hollywood. Well, okay, we've talked about this. Yeah. Uh, I see both sides, right? Yes. Sure. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. You yeah. made a deal. But you're an artist. You want to make your movie. Of course. Of Studio course. heads are usually snakes. Yeah. And gross. It, it you easily know? Yeah. could have been that he goes to Warner Brothers and says, you know, thinks he could do it for 10. Yeah. And then realizing as he's developing it more, he's like, there's no way. I tend to kind of fall on the side of the artist rather than the corporation. I, when I first read about this, I was like, oh, John Hughes, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Because that's probably how the corporations want to frame it. Of course. Warner of course. Brothers. But really, thinking more and more, it's like, because this stuff takes time. And... Well, he was kind of a dick, wasn't he? I mean, John yeah, Hughes. He was. I, mean, I mean, he was not. Yeah. But it's... he was a dick with. 30 number one hits like he he earned his yeah. dickishness i don't think anybody ever earns dickishness i don't think no, that's no he definitely is it's a natural occurring being thing a dick is wrong and yes. i'm standing with it against dicks <laughs> but it's in terms statement. of dealing with studios you know you're not dealing with normal people or a normal true, situation. You know, true. They're, no, they're going to try to yeah. screw you yes. much more than they're... Yes. You're just trying to get a movie made. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to shave everything down. He, John you know. Hughes did not make this because he's like, I want to make $500 million. He made it because it was a good idea and he knew it would be entertaining. Yes, because he loved torturing children. It was his biggest dream oh my God. was to torture a child. When they found those kids that hid in his basement? Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, according to executive <laughs> producer Scott Rosenfeld, a copy of the script was clandestinely delivered to Fox, bypassing the legal restrictions that would have otherwise prevented Fox from seeing it until the project was in turnaround. Uh, early in production, the budget grew to $14.7 million. Warner Brothers demanded that he cut it by $1.2 million, so they were even giving him yeah, more. And, and that's a big... He, he, Half the budget, you know? Yeah, There's a half yeah. extra budget on there. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's a huge uh, uptick, huge cre increase. Uh, the producers responded with a memo arguing that the budget could not be cut any further. Uh, unconvinced, Warner Brothers shut down production the next day, but it quickly returned when Fox took up Hughes on his offer, and I'm guessing they just handed him a blank check and said, make the movie. I think that was his... I think he used poor Warner Brothers to get I, the Fox yes. deal. Yeah, I mean, probably. Uh, the final budget ended up growing to $18 million. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of effects. Which, granted, given what happened with the movie and <laughs> the box office it got, that was nothing. Oh, yeah. And Warner, Brothers, Warner Brothers lost out, uh, unfortunately. Well, that's bad. the thing. Shut down production with difficult people who don't have a track record. Right. People that have a track record, don't be... A, don't flex your muscles because yeah, you're going yeah, yeah. to lose because yeah. they have a bigger ego than you. And they can just walk away because they have the clout, you know? It's yeah. like nobody's going to be like, well, John Hughes, he left Warner Brothers, so nobody's ever going to work with John Hughes again. <laughs> Come on, Warner Brothers. <laughs> so John Hughes asked Patrick Reed Johnson to direct, but he was committed to directing Spaced Invaders. Great choice, buddy. Did Nobody you... has ever heard of Patrick Reed Johnson. Uh, yeah, he, he ended up working with John Hughes on Baby's Day Out. John Hughes really liked to collect people, and, and he worked with them a lot. Well, Spaced Invaders. Spaced Invaders starred Ariana Richards, the young girl from Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's literally the only name that was in it. <laughs> I don't think I've never even heard of this movie. So it's, it's like a lot of little costumed. Oh, yeah. The, I saw some pictures. Yeah. yeah little aliens. Little aliens and they, I've seen it. It's dumb. Okay. It's not well, Home I Alone. Mean, Baby's Day Out was dumb. Baby's Day Out was awful. 
Um, I'm not a big. I'm, I'm not convinced that Patrick Reed Johnson is as good as everyone says. <laughs> I don't think so either. Uh, so John Hughes turned to Chris Columbus, who had left National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation before shooting started because of a personality clash. His with parents are Chevy a holes, by the way. John Hughes's? No, Chris, Chris Columbus, Columbus to name yeah. him Christopher Columbus. Oh yes. I've been like, come on, Mom, there's already a Christopher Columbus. And the fact that he became famous as the second Christopher Columbus. Chris Columbus. Okay. (laughs) You don't think anybody on this Nina Pitta and Santa Marina were calling him Chris? You know? You don't think uh, the the Queen of Spain was like, hey, Chris? Anyway, I'm just saying, what are the odds? Two amazing human beings named Chris Columbus. One, a genocidal... guy with really bad sense of direction and the other one an explorer (laughs) (laughs) not a fan of chris columbus uh which one both both uh Uh, so he had he had left christmas vacation because of uh clashing with chevy chase who columbus said treated him like dirt who hasn't clashed with chevy Uh, chase by the way chevy chase is the most difficult person to work with. what a how sad chevy chase was so great so great yes. in the 70s, yes. so great on Saturday Night Live, so great in Fletch, so Fletch. great in Foul Play. Yeah. It was one of the greatest mystery cop movies with he and Goldie Hawn and Billy it. Barty. Oh, it's so great. Okay. It's so great. And then they mm-hmm. reunited for some kind of wonderful with Charles Grodin, another great movie. Anyway, it's just so oh, sad. Yeah. yeah. What happened to him? I loved him so much. Well, you can only be difficult for so long, apparently. But why? I it's because he was a Richie before he became a star. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He already had that ego. <laughs> so John Hughes gave Chris Columbus the scripts for both Home Alone and a movie called Reach the Rock. Yeah, it was a drama. <laughs> it was about a kid, two kids drinking. Yeah. Oh. Like, I bet you can't swim over there. He's oh. like, I bet I can. And one of them dies. And the one that swims dies, and then the whole town's like, you're a jerk for killing that kid. Oh. And I, was, I didn't kill him. I bet him. He could have said no. Maybe he was. Maybe John Hughes was trying to win an Oscar or something. I don't know. And then there was I, this big musical number. <laughs> to do it. Reach the rock. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Well, they're singing a Wayne Newton number all together. <laughs> Uh, so Columbus chose to direct Home Alone because he found it funnier, obviously, <laughs> and liked the Christmas. Yeah, theme. I would not want to th- spend three months making Reach the Rock. And I got to be honest, a Chris Columbus Reach the Rock would be even worse. Ugh, so cloying, but it would have been a much easier movie to make, probably. Home Alone sure, is kind sure. of located. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Columbus did an uncredited rewrite of the script, which included the character Old Man Marley. He added him in. Made him shovel the whole time. He added the character to give the story more serious layers or a more emotional ending. Because uh, that's what Chris Columbus is all about. He's about forced saccharine emotion. <laughs> He's like diabetes of movies. He just infects it with his I... sugary disease. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. I'm just, again, not a big Chris Columbus fan. Although I do love Home Alone. And, and it's, you know, he peaked, and then he's done. So everybody's got their thing. Yeah, yeah. So John Hughes suggested they cast Macaulay Culkin as Kevin because he had worked with him on Uncle Buck. Hilarious on Uncle Buck. Great movie. Man, I wanted a big pancake. Oh. Okay, well, <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up. Somebody's going to get a big pancake for breakfast. I don't even like pancakes. I don't but either. I just like I'm... the concept of a giant pancake. The pancakes. <laughs> Uncle Buck would have been an awesome uncle to have. Oh, Faults yeah. and all, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Columbus met with 200 other actors for the part as he felt it was his, quote-unquote, directorial responsibility. What a waste of time. If I you know, already I want know. the kid, what a waste of freaking time. Uh, and, and money. And, oh, 100% no wonder you went over budget, you <laughs> beehole. You already have the kid. You still take the time to see 200 other kids because, because you go to some sort of integrity BS? Come on, man. I can just see John Hughes being like, God damn it. What did I say? Just pick. We have the kid, dude. No, no, no. I've only seen uh, 100. I'm going to need to see 100 more. Well, one of those 100 more was apparently John Mulaney. Uh, but his parents <laughs> said no, he could not do the part. They didn't uh, want him to be in the movie. It would have been very dry. <laughs> would have been drinking martinis and snorting cocaine. <laughs> so Columbus finally met with Culkin, and he agreed he was the right choice, which we all knew from the very beginning. 
Uh, Robert De Niro in John Lovitz actually turned down the role of Harry. The... Would have loved to see yeah. Robert De Niro. But De Niro didn't really do a lot of comedy at that point. I think Not at this point. It, it wasn't was a in... midnight run, right? And, I, and he was definitely the straight man. So like it, but yeah. it was still a comedy. And he was still well, funny. That's true. And I guess he doesn't really play the straight man. But it's but that was... Yeah. Yeah, I if agree. He would have... He, he, he pretty much hit comedy hard with... Meet the parents, Meet the parents. right? So, yeah, that's where it kind of started. Where this he was have, only doing comedy. Yeah, he would have hit. This would have hit his comedy button, and he would have been hitting comedy yeah. starting now because right. this right. would have been. I mean, he would have been amazing, and he and Joe Pesci. If you got the uh. two of them playing the 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 bandits, I mean, it would have been. I love Daniel Stern. He was great, and yeah. you know they were both great together. But Pesci and De Niro. Would but have De Niro, just been, De Niro was going for. Pesci I know, role, I know, but, but I mean, they could yeah. have moved Pesci. Over. I mean, it's not I, yeah, like it yeah. mattered. You know, it's like true, true. They could have had them, you know, change it around a little bit. One taller than the other. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like a Goodfellas it. reunion. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the bandits. With the, what? The, the wet bandits? Wet bandits, yeah. <laughs> with the wet dream bandits. Oh, no. Come and no. sleep in your bed no. and leave you a little present. Uh, although I will say that uh, the same way that you would love to have seen De Niro, I would love to have seen John Lovitz in the part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey. Ooh. I'm a wet bandit. <laughs> And scene, ho ho! <laughs> that's that's perfect. That is him in the part. But Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci accepted it. Uh, the role of Uncle Frank was actually written for Kelsey Grammer. Weird, uh, which was really weird. It's such a small it's, part. Yeah, I had I had to rewatch it again because I was like, which one's Uncle Frank? <laughs> he I, was the glassy-eyed, he was the kind of nebbishy, annoying, yeah. you know, jerk. Hey, Kevin, we better get to the call, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy who's probably doing cocaine with John Mulaney. Uh, to, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the part was given to Gary Bannon. If they were on that movie, John oh, Mulaney, oh, John Mulaney and would, have, would have been. They would have been coking it. He would have gone to rehab much earlier in his <laughs> <Yes>. life. <laughs> Daniel Stern was cast as Marv, but before shooting started, he was told that the production schedule had been extended from six weeks to eight, and he dropped out because they told him they weren't going to change his salary. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> so good for was, him. He was like, absolutely yeah. not. I'm F not you, man. More. I don't you. I don't work extra for free. Yeah, that's the thing about Hollywood and making movies that sucks the B. Yeah, it with the butt uh, <laughs> is is that in no other industry are people like ah, uh, you know what? We'll maybe pay you afterwards. Yeah, why don't you yeah. do the job? Do it. Do the job. And then you may or may not be paid after. Probably not. Yeah. But but if you do get paid, you could get paid a ton of money if, if this is successful. <laughs> or eh, why don't you do this one for free? It's a good and, exposure, and then and then I'm going to pay you for the next few. But yeah. you got to do this one for free. It's just like yeah. plumbers, you know, like hey, why don't you come uh, and install yeah. my bathroom for free? And then I'll, you know, when I put in another bathroom, I'm going to pay you double. <laughs> no, the plumber would be like, screw you. It's just we're yeah. all a bunch of insecure. Oh, oh, we just want to do stuff. So yeah, okay, whatever you say. I know, I know. Yeah, that's Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel Roebuck was actually hired to replace him. Ugh, I yeah. do not like Daniel Roebuck. Well, apparently no one on set did either, because after two days, they fired him. Yeah, because he has no chemistry with anyone. He's just uh, Roebuck. Yeah. He he played Jane Leno, I think, in the in the the movie about the late night wars. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Michael Higgins, I think played. Letterman, you know, he's just like this big weird. Yeah, n- yeah. I don't understand how he got a career, man. I just don't know, you know. Yeah, Roebuck later said that although he was upset to be fired from the production, he now believed the experience was a quote unquote little blip of unimportance. It's just like his career. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Farley, I'm, I'm mean today. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Fine. I'm it's just. Fine. I'm in a mean mood. <laughs> Chris... Daniel Roebuck, I'm sure, is a very fine person. And if you're listening, Daniel. During your shift at Bumpy's restaurant, <laughs> as the manager, just know. The night shift manager. You were good on Lost? Wasn't he on Lost or something? He was on Lost. Yeah, you were fine on Lost. <laughs> Chris Farley actually auditioned for the role of the Santa Claus impersonator, but he failed to impress Chris Columbus. F you, Chris Columbus. Good Lord. Just everything about today's show makes me loathe Chris Columbus even more. Welcome to my world. Chris Farley was a genius. 
He would have yeah. stole the show. He would have yeah. just, you Wonderful. know, he would have been like, oh, let's go see that Santa Claus movie. Let's see. Chris Columbus turns to the, to the casting director and is like, no one upstages Chris Columbus. I don't see him. John Candy was available for only one day to film his scene. So they shot for 23 hours. John Candy is a mensch. Every story about John Candy is just about how accommodating and awesome and sweet and wonderful and incredible to work with he was that broke my heart when he passed i mean that guy was just he was just starting to do some really interesting stuff like jfk and yeah he was starting to get into some serious drama stuff yeah yeah. his little scene if you haven't seen jfk which i love that movie it's fantasy pure fiction (laughs) it's it's like lord of the rings in terms of accuracy but i love that movie and his little part in that movie is so awesome. Uh, John Candy, pff, so sad. Yeah, very sad. Uh, he was only paid $414 since he did it as a favor to John Hughes. Yeah, it was, uh, that was scale at the time. Uh, in return, he was the only actor he was allowed to go off script. And according to Chris Columbus, all of his, his dialogue was improvised. Yeah, because he's hilarious. You ever watch him on SCTV? The guy's a comic oh, yeah, genius. Yeah. Oh, he, he was absolute a genius. sketch and improvise. Improvi- he was a sketch and improvisational genius. Genius. All right, let's uh, let's stop. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about the filming. Hey, look, when you get to the chopper, you got to listen to the Gen X files with Jim and Adam. Oh, it is really sexy. And it says good things about good people. Uh, yes, the push-ups. Uh, now it's fun to fight. New episodes every Friday. All celebrity voices are poorly impersonated. Filming. Uh-huh. So principal photography took place from February 14th, 1990 to May 8th, 1990, over a course of 83 days. That is a long effing shoot, man. Yeah. That is like three times, four times as long as a normal shoot. Usually you get in and out in six weeks if it's a good production. If it's a big yeah. movie, yeah. two to three months. Yeah. But. 83 days is long. 83 days. Especially for like a little comedy. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't such a little comedy. It was it was complicated. There was a lot of complicated action sequences and things. Meh. <laughs> the house exterior scenes were filmed on location at a three-story single-family house located at 671 Lincoln Avenue in the North Shore Village of Winnetka, Illinois. And if you live there right now, I apologize for giving out your address on on air. Uh, it may look familiar as John Hughes' previous films, The Breakfast that's Club. information that's Ferris readily available. It wasn't Obviously, like you doxed I know, them. I know. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 16 Candles, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, and Uncle Buck were also shot Good there. Lord, he must have owed that guy money. Because yeah. you get a lot of money for yes. using your house as a location, so that guy was just like, yeah, you doing another movie. Hey, John Hughes. <laughs> You don't want another movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this house ready for you. You want to use it again? I'll put a coat of paint on it. The only interiors of the house used for filming in the film were the main staircase, the basement, the attic, and most of the first floor landing. So they built a soundstage for the interiors in the gym of an empty swimming pool of the former New Trier High School building. Burr? Yeah. They, 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 I assumed they shot it in L.A., like the interiors in L.A., but they, Wait, shot, they shot it, it in, in a Illinois. swimming pool? So they built the interiors inside of a swimming pool, an empty swimming pool. How, how big was this? It must have been an olympic size. A very big pool. swimming pool. New Trier High School, I, at one point, I think, was the largest high school in the country. And it was abandoned? Yeah. I mean, they, had, they built a new one, a bigger one. A bigger one? Uh, my roommate, my freshman year in college, went to New Trier High School. Previously used by Hughes uh, for Uncle Buck and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Day Off, they had actually the production company set up in the offices of the former New Trier High School building. So, oh, that makes sense. So he was using it, yeah. Uh, they shot Angels with Filthy Souls, the title of which parodies the 1938 crime film Angels with Dirty Faces, the little movie within the movie. Yeah, you filthy animals. <laughs> they shot that over one day on the final test day prior to the official start of principal photography. Yeah, well, all it is is a dude yeah. just sitting there saying stuff and yeah. then standing up. It's like one shot. And then he grabs a machine yeah, gun there's and he a shoots. Couple of, there's a couple of inserts. They shot it. They shot it. He Slip it under the door. He specifically shot it with black and white negative film to, to make it look like an old 40s gangster movie. Uh, it was shot with low wide angles, which would capture the action as if a child were perceiving it. Like, yeah, like, Johnny, uh, Johnny's office. <laughs> uh, cinematographer Julio Macat really, uh, recalled that Pesci was more difficult to work with than Culkin. Yeah, he was a. Yeah, I, that's another <laughs> thing. I just 
Joe Pesci also seems like a guy that's a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you can pay a lot of money to do a dream job. And the, he was so pissed off because he couldn't play golf in the morning. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, he resented the early unit calls. It prevented him to, to do the nine holes of golf he played every day. Good exercise. Uh, uh, after he took the assistant director by the collar and shook him and complained about it, the call times were moved from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. to accommodate his golf. I'm sorry. Joe Pesci is a little dude. It would be like <laughs> having a little terrier grabbing your oh, ankles, be, you yeah, know? Yeah. Nobody's scared of Joe Pesci. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean he just plays a gangster. He's not a real not gangster. Really. He's just a little guy who's like got a little guy's attitude. <laughs> On the other end of the schedule, the crew had limited time to film. I don't, again, I am scenes. sorry I'm being so mean. <laughs> I love funny. Joe Pesci as an actor. I love all the you stuff. You are that embodying he does. Joe Pesci right I now. <laughs> am. I, I don't like him. Uh, go. Uh, it, it, it impacted, and maybe part of the reason they had 83 days because they couldn't uh, shoot later than 10 p.m. due to Culkin and child actor laws. Yeah, if your star is a 10 year old child or a seven year old child, I don't know how old. Nine, was I think he was nine. nine? Yeah, I, you only have a certain amount of time yeah. that you can shoot. He has to have schooling, he yeah. has to have yeah. rest. You know, it's like, oh, thanks, Jackie Culkin, for ruining child labor. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so. He, it does take a long time. I mean, that's the one thing about having a child. Yeah. You know, having a, making movies about kids takes a oh, little longer oh. because you just don't have the – you can't abuse them like you can adults. I – I the very – the movie that, that – I worked on a movie in Des Moines that was my catapult to working here. Uh, when I came out to L.A., I literally – the second day I was working on House. Like, because people I worked with on this movie, this little indie movie in the middle of Iowa, three things I learned from that movie – don't ever shoot with kids. Don't ever shoot with animals. Don't ever shoot with old people. Because well, they are nightmares. <laughs> there goes my movie. <laughs> old Randy, little Johnny, and <laughs> Peanut the dog. Uh, it was, it was, the animals are actually the easiest to work with. Depending uh, on what kind of animal. Yeah. It was dogs, three dogs. There were 17 people in this movie. Well, dogs, uh, was, animals yeah. have trainers. Yes. Kids don't have trainers. They have parents yeah. or or tutors, helicopter moms, but they don't. But you can't just give it a treat and then put it in a crate. No, you know, if, only, if only, if uh, only, Jackie Coogan, <laughs> you ruined it. God damn you! <laughs> uh, so on the set, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern both had difficulty refraining from swear words. Oh yeah, uh, which became really annoying to Joe Pesci. Pesci's use of what they called cartoon cursing yeah. uh, garnered comparisons to Looney Tunes character Yosemite Sam. My biscuits are burning. <laughs> yeah, that was totally Yosemite Sam. 100%. But that was what was great about it. it. It totally fit because it was the same crazy, horrific, violent cartoonish action from yeah. like it, it worked really well yeah it was the yeah. three stooges it was it was bugs bunny it was daffy duck getting his beak shut off you know it was all <laughs> insane yeah uh do you know the only swear word that made it into the film Enchant. yes and it happened accidentally when daniel stern his shoe fell through the donkey door yeah which is ironic because literally nothing was happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's just his shoe. They get hit in the face. They get bashed around. Never once did they swear. No. Just when he dropped his shoe. Hey. Yeah. He loved those shoes. <laughs> the film stunts uh, also created tension for the crew during shooting. Columbus said, Every time the stunt guy hit one of those stunts, it wasn't funny. We would watch it and it just, I would just pray that the guys were all alive. He literally thought they were going to die every time they... Chris Columbus, how... Oh, my God. <laughs> it does not help with my hatred of Chris Columbus. Uh, yeah, those the stunts were... If you watch, like, the guy just fall on his back, you know, when he slips on the ice, this, those <sighs> stunts are the ones that are so crazy, you yeah. know? And they tried... They originally prepared them with safety harnesses, but because of their visibility on camera, most of the final stunts were performed without them. So, like, all of that is real. Like, that dude falling on his back, and it looks like it hurts. And it, it did. Does. Yeah, that uh, guy got hurt. Uh, how many people got hurt? 143. Right. No, I'm just kidding. You I, didn't I, look it up, nobody. Did you? No, nobody <laughs> got kidding. hurt. That was the thing. Nobody actually got hurt. Wow. The only person that got hurt. No, you know who got <laughs> Yeah, you know who got hurt? Macaulay Culkin Macaulay got hurt. Culkin. When they the when one the, person yeah, that got hurt. When they put hang him up on the the coat rack. Yeah. And they're when yelling at him and he's like, I'm going to bite your fingers off. I'm going to bite all your fingers off. 
during rehearsal, he bit Macaulay Culkin's finger so hard that it drew blood. And little Macaulay Culkin lost his little mind and was oh, like, what are you doing? just see him freaking out. Ah, what are you talking about? I didn't bite him. What are you talking about? Yeah, I could just see Joe Pesci, too, being like, I'm not going to get dressed down by a nine-year-old fucking kid. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> smoking a cigar. That was, that was for the best impression you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I would love to have said they have to have it. No, sure. it was rehearsal. It was, but they might have been filming a rehearsal. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't, back in the day, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's not as easy as. It but is I now, mean, come but. on, Joe! You don't bite a child. There is no justification for biting a little boy. No, no, he's one of those oldies. Like uh, I don't mean to be controversial here. <laughs> he's like, but Brenda, you shouldn't bite Brenda, children. What's her name? They, they were the old school actors. It was like, hey, this is what we do. You know? No. <laughs> Uh-uh. There's no old school actors that bit children. When you slap somebody, you slap yeah, somebody. Yeah, but you don't bite when you bite. That's you don't need to rip their flesh off to make it look real. Good uh, lord! And that was a you're talking about a low budget get in a car movie, a ten thousand dollar car movie. horror yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. not a fourteen million dollar eighteen eighteen million dollar Hollywood blockbuster. With no, you're right, Joe. Right. Finger biting. You don't. Don't bite kids. I mean, come on. That should be an unsaid rule. No one needs to be told anybody except Joe Pesci that you don't bite children. Uh, And then the tarantula that walked on uh, Stern's face in that regard was also real. It was not a mechanical tarantula. I did this movie. I worked for Roger Corman, and uh, I had so many jobs on this movie, and one of my jobs was tarantula wrangler because everybody was just scared S-less of these tarantulas. Oh, really? And we had this gag. I did all of the effects, too, for this movie. Like, I, I did this gag where I uh, wrapped some filament around a, a, a cactus, and I, would, and I shook it, you mm. know, so the cactus was alive. And then, <laughs> and then I uh, put this thing in the cactus to make it, like, explode Blue? up. Yeah, <laughs> to fart really yeah. loud. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then from the cactus, all these tarantulas were supposed to land on this guy. Oh. And... The whole thing was, you can't put the tarantulas next to each other. Tarantulas are fine, but if you put them close to each other, they'll fight and then they'll get you. Oh. So, I, I gave every we had. I couldn't do all of the tarantulas myself, so I gave all the other people. There were five of us with tarantulas, and the other people <laughs> in there in cups. They're in two Dixie cups, you know, one on top of another. It's this is oh, so low budget. Hollywood, right? Hollywood. So they're so scared, and and uh, and I'm like on the count of three. Toss your tarantulas on him. And the poor... This is an actor, by the way. Not a stuntman. This oh is the actor. God. And, uh, <laughs> and so one, two, three. And they, they throw it, but they chuck it in a way because they're so scared that all the tarantulas land in a clump. And they're just like... It's like Fight Club on this poor son oh. gun. And then he gets them off. And then everybody scatters. And then I spend like 15 minutes scooping up tarantulas. Oh, God. Mad tarantulas, by the way, that yeah. are all peed off from fighting. So... <laughs> so... I, did this all day, and uh, the poor guy got like bit or I don't know what the, whatever they do to you. He got it a lot to the point where we had to he he couldn't film anymore, anymore because he was wow. feeling horrible. Did Corman just replace him halfway through, and <laughs> no. it's just a new actor? He just shot something else uh, <laughs> until he got better, which was a few hours. You know, they still yeah, kept yeah. him. They didn't send him home or anything. Oh, no, was, they kept him around just in course. case he gets better because we were at Vasquez Rocks, and uh, and then at the end of the shoot. I had to take all the tarantulas back and these snakes and stuff. And so I'm driving in my little car and I got like 15, 20 boxes filled with tarantulas and snakes. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, man, if I flip this car, this is going to be, it's just going, oh, this is freaking me out. But I got them. They're all safe and sound. But yeah, tarantulas. Is that even illegal? I mean, can you? Shouldn't they have had a professional wrangler or whatever? Yeah, probably. I guess there was a guy there, but he he didn't but do he anything. Did. He was just like, it's up to you, kid. He was like a the pet shop representative because we literally bought them from a pet shop oh, and then returned them like oh, a two days later. Oh. Yeah, because that's how you make God, that's how you make a lot of money in this business by cutting every corner you can. Oh, all right, but yeah, man, it's crazy. All right. I'm not uh, afraid of spiders. Oh, no, I'm not either. I mean, tarantulas were fine. Obviously, Daniel Stern wasn't either. But we had li- we had wild tarantulas where I grew up. My, oh, I used yeah? to. Uh, my friend had uh, my friend's dad had this. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. He had this avocado slash pig farm in Escondido. <laughs> no, I don't think you've all these acres, about this and we'd go ride our three wheelers there oh, and the drive a truck yeah. and stuff. Uh, but they had tarantulas, like there. wild tarantulas, yeah. yeah. 
And those suckers jump, man. Mm-hmm. Because, and mm-hmm. I did not know this at first because yeah. I was like, oh, tarantula. And it was about three feet so, away, and I poked yeah. it with a stick, and that thing went and just yeah. beep. And I was ah! And then it didn't really do anything. Then I thought right. it was cool. Then we just kind of like yeah. catch them and play with them and stuff. But Some was, of them jump. Not all of them do. Some well, of them are, are strictly land dwellers. But, uh, all right. But they're still fast. Whew, they're fast. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned for a tarantula <laughs> show. <laughs> Uh, it was God. a very long, long <laughs> <Yes>. speed bump. <laughs> so sent to Moses, who played Tracy, uh, the one of the kids. Uh, yes. I think she was the one that the parents were in France. Maybe. You no, were... Tracy's the sister, Kevin's sister. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I don't remember. There's like 15 kids. Yeah. I, yeah. They're all in the beginning when uh, they're all ignoring the police officer, <laughs> Joe Pesci. Uh, nobody – I've had a cop in my house a couple of times. Sure. I did not ignore that man. No, no. I and would want to know why that police officer is standing in my home uninvited and, and somebody, unannounced. Yeah, I mean, they didn't show it. Nobody just let him in. Like, he was just uh-uh. standing there. He's like, oh, hey, what are your parents say? Why didn't they just wear cop uniforms and rob the place? It seems like it would be a lot easier. It doesn't go with the wet bandit brand, Adam. <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll get back to my philosophical question. Because it's also easier just to break in when people aren't home. No, 100%. I mean, the large majority of break-ins happen when they're They'd be the cop bandits. But what I'm saying is that they should have worn the cop uniforms anyway, because then if people come in, they're like, yeah, we heard, you know, it's like we're here on official business. People immediately are like, oh, yeah, okay. Why do you have all these bags and flashlights? We're Santa Claus, too. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's flaws in your reasoning there, buddy. Yeah, 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 there is. This is why you... You get caught every time you try to rob something. That's true. You're I always mean, trying to brand us. I'm O for 109. We're the big butt bandits. <laughs> you know, we, we put our butt prints on everything when we, we robbed. That didn't work out well, did it? No. Because our DNA got on it. We got yeah. caught for that one. Well, you used your empty butt. Then, your bear butt. then we were the, 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 the booger bandits. And we're having boogers booger all, bandits, booger yeah. bandits. <laughs> booger bandits. And then right. we're boogers on everything. DNA again, man. You're short-sighted. <laughs> I'm not going to let you pick our, our robbery name anymore. All right, all right. That's fine. You, you give us our signature. That's fine. We're going to be the, the, the roustabout robbers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Sinta Moses, who played Tracy, she recalled in 2020 that one of the most difficult scenes to shoot was the family's run through O'Hare International Airport to catch their flight. It required several days to, sh- to film. There were hundreds of extras, and people would fall down all the time. She said that I think every single one of them got hurt during this four the actors? three-day sequence. Yeah, the actors would fall down because they were running, running, running. Oh. Yeah. Well, they should be more careful. <laughs> they were probably exhausted. Maybe they shouldn't have been late. Those are the worst. Yeah. Those are the days that are the worst. You're like, oh, yeah. running days. or you know, just. I'm sorry. We're doing this for three days? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just running, running, running. And, oh, man. So Columbus initially hoped to have Bruce Broughton score the film, and early posters listed him as the composer. Really? Bruce Broughton? Broughton. Bruce Broughton. What has he done? Uh, He was busy with The Rescuers Down Under, Mm. and he had to cancel the last minute. So uh, Brown actually won an Emmy for scoring five episodes of Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Nice. Uh, Hey. (laughs) Hey, guys. Uh, Colonel uh, Wilma hey, Deering, it took me a second Colonel to get Will- from the 25th Colonel century. Colonel Wilma Deering, how's it going? Hey, it's good. You know, things are really cool in the 25th century. Um, yeah. You know, Twicky, he's all doing good, and Buck good. and I yeah. are kind of flirting, but we don't what, know. Uh, what brings you by? Oh, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, that guy did a really cool five episodes uh, of scoring. It was a lot of disco and a lot of, like, jeeps, and uh, he deserved that Emmy. Just going, I just want to say it. Hey, guys, uh, go back to 25th century now. <laughs> Thanks, bye. <laughs> yeah, he actually was nominated. He's been nominated for, like, 20 Emmys. Like, really? Guys, yeah, this guy, I was surprised. I was like, wow, I've never heard of this guy. Neither before. have I. I love it. Under the radar. Uh, so Columbus was a, later able to get I, I apologize for making fun of him no, now no, that I yeah. knew his pedigree. Yeah. Uh, he Columbus was later able to get in touch with Steven Spielberg, who helped him contact John Williams to produce the who? final score. John Who's Williams, that? I don't know. Some guy. Is he uh, ever, what else has he done? I will say John Williams does not have as many Emmy nominations as Bruce Browning does. No, he has 750 <laughs> Oscars, though. He has a whole – John Williams has a home made of Oscars. <laughs> they're literally – they're like bricks. Like, yeah. There's so many – yeah. It's drafty. Because it's like Oscars aren't very good. He really should have laid them opposite, but he didn't. Yeah, he just—he's like, look, I'll get more. I'll fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Just another 30 films. Yeah, just, another I, I just do another score and win another Oscar. Score and Oscar. He's just, you know, it's got to be boring for him at this point. He he probably tries to lose. He's like, I'm going to put a couple yeah. of sour notes in here just to <laughs> give somebody else a chance. And the world thinks it's genius. Yes. <laughs> all right, let's uh, take another quick break, and then we're going to talk about the legacy and all the many sequels. Hey, this is uh, Cranberry. And this is from the day, whenever I'm outside of the communists, I'm listening to the general files, which you can hear. It's not much more than that. They took his legs! New episodes every Friday. All celebrity voices are poorly impersonated. Legacy. Home Alone grossed a worldwide total box office of $476.7 million. That's a lot more than $18 million. That is a lot more. In fact, it pretty much made its budget back, its production budget back in the first weekend. Nice. Uh, it spent 12 consecutive weeks as the number one movie before spending another 12 weeks in the top 10. That's how it was back then, baby. Movies, well, this isn't, this is a little bit past that, but movies would run for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And and it wouldn't be, in the 80s and 90s, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for a movie to hit the top of the box office for months. And then, oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, it's not like it is now. Uh, it actually made two more top ten appearances after it left in June uh, of 1991. And then, or 1990, yeah, 1991, sorry. Uh, it finally left the theaters after running for nine months. Well, it had to give birth to its baby. yeah. It yeah. got pregnant right before it started. Yeah, right, right. To run, and then, <laughs> yeah. it was Joe Pesci. All right, <laughs> it was Joe Pesci. Uh, the film is listed in the Guinness World Records as the highest-grossing live-action comedy ever, uh, and held the record until it was overtaken by The Hangover Part Two in 2011. Strangely enough, it was also the record for the most children's fingers bit, and that was also broken by The Hangover Part Two. <laughs> That actually works on many levels. <laughs> that was very good, Jim. Nice. Uh, by the time the film had run its course in theaters, Home Alone was the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide, as well as in the United States and Canada, behind only Star Wars and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah, nice. Which Star Wars was actually uh, behind E.T. E.T. was the highest grossing movie of all time for a while until Star Wars started getting re-releases and stuff. Yeah, it was like Spielberg and Lucas kept and then they just <laughs> battle for the top of the box office until old Jimmy Cameron came by and was like, I'm going to drop this old Titanic on y'all. Uh, ruin it. Yeah. And uh, didn't, didn't Avatar. Uh, Avatar make a ton of money too? Yeah. yeah. That's so weird. I got to just speed sure. bump this for one sure. second. I know a lot of people talk about this, but I don't. I, I liked Avatar. I saw Avatar in like IMAX 3D. It was yeah. like one of the first yeah. 3D movies I saw, and I was like blown away by the 3D. I could not give you a synopsis of that movie. <laughs> I could not tell you who was in that movie besides Sigourney Weaver. Apparently, there's like three sequels coming out. That The movie was made like 30 years ago. No, it wasn't 30 years ago. It was and like the, 2009. And the sequels aren't slated to come out until 2065. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, you know. All three at the same time, yeah. just drop them. Well, it's just, it's like Lucy and the football with these sequels. It's like every, yeah. well, James Cameron's like, oh, they're coming. They're still coming. But Does anybody they're... want them anymore? I don't. Did anybody want them in the first place? Yeah. I mean, that's such a weird. Was it a, was it a movie that screamed I need a sequel? I, it's such a forgettable. It wasn't a bad movie. I think I liked it. I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. But, but it's just, it's baffling how forgettable that movie is. It would be like watching As the it, most, the most highest, highest grossing movie, movie of all time. time. Everybody's just like, meh. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe people kept going back because they forgot they had seen it. Yeah, it's like, wait, there's some blue guys in it. And <laughs> oh. they, they stick their umbilical cords oh, into some things. Oh. I don't know. And, and obviously the film made Macaulay Culkin a child star. Who? He became huge. He, uh, he just disappeared after that. Kieran Culkin. Oh, no. Sorry. Kieran Culkin is a really good actor. Yeah. All the little Culkin boys, they're Culkin really good... men now, yeah, but they're yeah. all really good actors. Kieran's great. Yeah. yeah. They, and and uh, uh, the other one? Yeah, I'm sorry, I forget his <laughs> name, but he's really good too. Every once in a while, there comes along a child actor mm -hmm. that just kind of transcends everything and is very adult, like, like Macaulay Culkin, like uh, Haley Joel Osment, yeah. uh, like uh, D uh, Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning. Yeah. 
You know, these little actors, uh, Shirley Temple, if you want to go all the Jackie way back. Coogan. Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan, <laughs> you bastard. You know, but these kids are stars, are just these fully baked yeah. artists that are so good and so tapped yeah. into what they do that they're just phenomenal. And and I think people kind of glom onto these kids because they're so... It's like these movies portray children, the children you would want. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Even though, 100%. Even though uh, the little McAllister boy is a little pain in the ass, a little smart alecky jerk at the beginning, he learns his lesson along the way. You know, but he's a smart kid. Well, yeah, he's, he's smart a enough really to intelligent to, kid. Okay, let's 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 uh, let's just talk about <laughs> the the movie for a second. Sure. Okay. So we got this family of a thousand. Apparently, yeah. There's yeah. so many of them yeah. all going. And good lord, how awful would that be? By the way, <sighs> to go, well, they're going to Paris, right? Imagine being on that plane. Imagine being in that family yeah. and having to corral all those people together to go to Paris for Thanksgiving. What are you doing? That's just yeah. like, let me just put together the most Christ- every well, bad idea. They're going for Christmas. Not for Christmas. Oh, okay, <laughs> six and one half, man. Holiday travel, either yeah. or. Yeah, bad, yeah. bad, bad. To Paris, anyway. For Christmas, who wants to be in a foreign country on Christmas, man? You want to be by anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. If so I, there are. If I got on that plane as not part of the family, oh. and I saw that, I'd probably stay home. I would start drinking <laughs> right away and see if anybody had some pills. Yeah, I mean, all those kids are unruly little buzz, yeah, little maniac. Uh, uh. You know, with his tarantula and his girlfriend. <laughs> you know, uh, the girl. Yeah. The the picture of the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. They thought it would be so mean to use an actual picture of a girl. Because this is reaction, yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, she's so ugly. So it was the the son of what, the art director. The art director. <laughs> okay. They stuck him in a wig. What's that saying to him? <laughs> hey, you ugly. Look, we don't want to make a kid, a girl look ugly. So we're going to use you in your <laughs> ugly mug because boys are tough. <laughs> They're going on this big, stupid vacation. Yeah. And... You know, they do the count. There's a kid that looks kind of like him from the neighbor. The whole setup is yeah, kind of suspect. They're, but it, it, they're counting, and there's a kid that's his height. Yeah, throwing him in the van. Nobody really look. you know. Everybody's hustly bustly getting their crap together because they kids are awful. Right. The, the, I think the reason why I don't have or want children <laughs> is because of movies in the 80s and 90s, like Problem Child or oh. Home Alone or... Damien, <laughs> the omen, <laughs> or the good son. Ooh, oh, yeah, the, the little, good son. The good son with Macaulay Culkin. Became, Evil Macaulay Culkin. Yes, and him and, and little Frodo. Oh, he's so good. That's battling good for movie. mommy's attention. Yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> Sorry, I got off topic again. Okay. It's all right. So, all right, they get in the car. They leave with Adam, right? Yeah. So he's left home alone. This is this movie wouldn't work today because of a cell phones. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. There's a there's a meme that goes around that was like, you know, rewriting. Airport security. Oh, these calls. Because they'd like, be oh. sitting there for two hours in airport security. And if by that that's, time they didn't realize the that's, kids. That's the other thing, too, is that even still, like, they didn't check again to make sure everybody got through security. Like, they just I, ran. And, yeah. They and, were late. And, they and ran. where was the yeah. ticket? Like, who? I don't know. It's just, yes. Okay, so. Well, well, I mean, this is the same kid that, like, freaked out when they were like, go pack. We're leaving. And he's like, what? Pack? <laughs> yeah, that's the weirdest. <laughs> it's weird. Like, weird. we started watching. Chris Columbus. Yes. Oh, Chris Columbus. Yeah, so the kid gets left home alone. And he's scared. But then he decides he's got to be a man. He's going to be an adult. The, the most fun it's about it is wanted. watching him, yeah. you know, to pretend to be an adult. You know, well, do the that, things. That's the whole thing is that he wishes this would happen yeah. and they're gone. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Careful I, what you wish for. I, I got the thing and now I have to man up yeah. and be the, the man of the house. But it's the charisma of Macaulay Culkin. Oh, if any other 100%. kid, except for maybe John Maloney with his <laughs> martinis and cocaine. John Maloney. John, John Maloney. Maloney. <laughs> oh, he. Uh, you know, it, it rides on liking that kid so much that you want to watch him just slap. Yeah. Cologne on his face, or you want to watch dance him be around an adult. or like jump on the thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the scene when he goes and buys the groceries and he's being so adult, and mm-hmm. the kid, the mom, or the mom, the cashier is like, pizza, oh, just yeah. for me." Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, it's like it's, it's cute. It's mm-hmm. like okay, but then, oh, but then here come the wet paint. It's the wet oh, paint show up. That I watched this. Uh, I don't know what it is. I hate not giving credit, but there was a show 
I think it might have been on Netflix or something that basically showed everything in Home Alone, like what would really happen. This was a a show that like kind of it was like a MythBusters kind of thing, oh, which debunked okay. and broke it was down. Like, yeah, that basically ran through every gag in uh, yeah, Home Alone yeah. and show show showed what the actual damage. Would yeah. human carnage would How be? How they would have been died, like Like, with times. really graphic, you know, X-ray <laughs> yeah, vision, yeah. you know. The, the skull screen crushed. As the paint can crushes the skull. It was horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah, what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't watch it. It'll give you nightmares. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, man. The stuff that they go through, I will have to say, some of the best modern physical comedy. Oh, yeah. You, you got to go back to like Buster Keaton yeah. and you got to go back to the masters of the silent era because those were the best physical comedians yeah, ever. Yeah, 100%. But this, man, I don't think there has been – name me another slapstick movie other than this in the last 30 years that you remember. For the pure slapstick, it would it would have to be like like Jim Carrey or something. I mean like it's – and, and even then it's not, still not really because right. he's kind of being gross and weird. He's just talking out of his butt. Yeah. He's not like <laughs> yeah. – you know, He's come, not doing this kind of like falling on his back. And yeah, getting hit in the face with paint cans, yeah. you know, slipping on micro machines. I collected micro machines just for this purpose. Nice. Just, just in, in case. case. Yeah, because you lived in serial killer country I did. in Iowa because that's yeah. what you were afraid of. They weren't afraid of robbers. <laughs> you were afraid of somebody putting you under the floorboards. We talked a little earlier about the old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, old man, old man yeah. O'Malley or old Murphy, man, 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 man. Or whatever. He was in a lot of movies. Crazy old man. Oh yeah, yeah. Give uh, him His the scene with he, him and Kevin in the church mm-hmm. is brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you see your daughter? Well, that seems dumb. Why yeah. don't you call her? Yeah. yeah. There's one thing under the bridge. Why don't you just do it? Yeah. You're a pesky little girl. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. such a it's, cute it's little brilliant. scene. Yeah, yeah. And and surprisingly not super cloying for old Mr. Uh, Columbus. Well, uh, he's trying to ride that pony and <laughs> get that that this natural. This is the high. least kind of saccharine cloying of his yeah. of his movies, I would 100%. say. I mean, he tried to but, jam it in there, but he also had the John Hughes yeah. guiding hand, right? Who is a great master of comedy, and there's a definite brand to him. And I think yes. Columbus and Hughes worked well together because they balanced each yeah. other out. But that scene was a hundred percent Hughes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yes, and it was Hughes controlling Columbus because if it was Columbus, there would have been like crying. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, some sort of like. It, Getting up and walking away and coming back, <laughs> yes. you know, it's like oh, yes. Right. But it was really fun, and it's and I love. We, we talked about this a lot during uh, the the horror movie uh, month, mm-hmm. but I love these little self-contained movies. Yes, yeah. Because as a kid, I really liked stuff that like where the kid was the hero, you know, where you had to yeah. adventure, like like James and the Giant Peach or something, you know. Right, I right. loved it because his name was James. <laughs> but also that he traveled on like a giant peach, and it was just like, I loved stuff. It was the kids doing something adulty. The yeah. adults not really believing them or knowing it. It was like a secret world. Like, I love secret world stuff. Yeah. And even though this isn't necessarily a secret world, it kind of was because yeah. he created this little world, these little booby traps and everything. Yeah. You know, he, and, yeah. and, and uh, he was convinced this was the it now. His family was gone. Right. It's just so sadistic, man. <laughs> it's such a just he gleefully does, sadistic he gets movie. very, oh my, ooh. And the taunting. And yeah. The, yeah. All this crap was going on yeah. at home. And then finally, uh, Mama. They realize. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I quote that so much. Everybody does. She has to get from Paris back yeah, to yeah. America to get her kid. And her journey, too, is one, like, I can relate. I relate more to her journey now than I did yeah. when I was well, yeah, watching yeah. it because I was a young man. Sure. I'm not a parent now. I don't have those instincts. But if the cat was left home alone, I know that I would want to get back <laughs> to save her. But... uh but just the desperation and everything she goes oh, through. And the, yeah. And it's and, my favorite moment in the movie is at the, everything's fine at the end and she shows up and then the family comes in right behind. Yeah. <laughs> she took all that time yeah. and, and it was like they the just had to get time. on the next plane. It was pretty easy. <laughs> uh, but the the scene, you know, we talked about how uh, John Candy was only in it for a day. Yeah. But that scene is it's integral so to the movie. Brilliant. And it, it, it just lets her off the hook. Yeah. A, because, well, bad parents. You know, yeah, leaving yeah, your kid yeah. home alone. Yeah. 
there's no neighbors they can call to come over. And, yeah. You know, everybody's I mean, out nobody, of town. Everyone's gone. Yeah. yeah. It's a ghost town. What, Can't what? call the cops and yeah. be like, my kid's home. Did like, they call the cops? Didn't she try? I think try? they did. They did try, yeah. And, and then they. Something w- I don't remember specifically. Maybe. I don't know. The cops did come by and he had the uh, the party thing yeah. going on. So the, the guy, cop was like, oh, whatever. Yeah. They're not going to believe the mom. Yeah. That no, said, no. my son's home alone, so they're just going to look in the window? It was a breakdown of communication. <laughs> cops, man. <laughs> Chicago cops. Uh, but the scene, but it, also going back to John Candy and how he has that moment. It's very Ginge, very John Hughes moment, but he, they have that great conversation. Yeah. And, and it's John Candy not being funny. Like, yeah. he's just being earnest. He's and, being funny, and but sincere. And funny like, and realist. Yeah, it, yeah. It's funny such and reality. a great scene. And, it, and you're right. It lets her off the hook. It's like you're not, you know... It happens. It gives her a pause. Things happen. She needed a pause out of that manic, yeah. you know, performance. She's so good in the movie. She's, uh, she's good in so everything. Fantastic. She's great. I mean, the parents are great. It's, everybody in that movie was great. The it, Somehow this completely ridiculous, over-the-top, farcical, fanciful, unrealistic, ridiculous movie is just this heartwarming, awesome chunk of yes. entertainment glee. It is it is fantastic and it and it is the best movie to watch at Thanksgiving because mm-hmm. it gets you into the Christmas spirit. Exactly. That's why I say it's a Thanksgiving movie yeah. because it kicks off the holiday season. So and well. and I don't know if it's still the same way. I don't go to to theaters as much. Movie theater. The cinema. The cinema. Um but Thanksgiving was the big day. It wasn't as big. It, Christmas wasn't as big as Thanksgiving back in the day. I did. The Thanksgiving I, for me, it was always Christmas. Yeah, I, Christmas was the day that I went and saw movies. Yeah, everybody did, but Thanksgiving I don't think is as much as it is yeah. now because everybody goes no. shopping. You know, yeah, there, yeah. Black Friday wasn't a big deal back then, so Thanksgiving was a huge, huge movie day, and that's how you kicked off the the holiday movie season. Was the right. big releases on Thanksgiving, and this one kicked off a really great season of movies that year. Yeah. And I just always think of this. I like to watch it around Thanksgiving because I like to kick off the holidays with it. Mm -hmm. And it just brings back memories of a really great Thanksgiving for me with great food and great friends and a great place. And it's just it's all tied together. So that's why instead of putting it and our our Christmas shows are going to be a little bit different than what a normal Christmas thing would be. So, you know, it wouldn't really fit in. But it's such an awesome movie. And now. Let's talk about something not so awesome. <laughs> the franchise. We're, we're going to glaze over the franchise. Yeah. There were four sequels. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, was released in 1992. Which was fine. Which um, was good. It was interesting. Yeah, it, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, Macaulay Culkin was paid $4.5 million to appear in the sequel. Oh, yeah, well, he was... Uh, compared to the 110000 he made from the first movie. The guy was a, the biggest star at the time. There's, You know, it's the same thing with yeah. Haley Joel Osment. There's, like I said, not only are these kids capturing... The minds of everybody. They're also the biggest stars of the oh yeah of the year or yeah, the era. You know, yeah. these kids are like huge. Yeah, yeah they're they're Tom Hanks. A third film, Home Alone Three, was released in 1997. Donald Trump was not. It in It has that movie. entirely different actors and characters, as well as a different storyline. Uh, although Hughes did write the screenplay for it, uh, Raja Gosnell, uh, who edited both the first two movies, directed it. Uh, um, it. It made money. It made about $80 million on it, a $32 million budget. The kid was cute. He was kind of the it boy of the time. Yeah. Uh, the the robbers, there were like these three, I think they might have been European. Yeah, something like that. I you know, they, they, they wore these little white outfits, yeah. and they were kind of more organized. I don't know I, what their deal was, what they were stealing, what kind of bandits they were. Uh, the only other real notable part of it is that the sister was played by Scarlett Johansson. ScarJo! ScarJo. A fourth made-for-TV film uh, followed in 2002, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House. The movie features... <laughs> no! No! <laughs> it has some of the same characters who were in the first two movies. None of the same actors playing them. N- new cast, new storyline. Essentially, Kevin's dad is divorcing his mother and moving into his new extremely wealthy girlfriend's house. F you guys, man. I mean, <laughs> Way to just ruin the yeah, entire franchise. The yeah. whole point of a family getting together and a family coming together. It's yeah. just, it's, that's the whole thing about the first one. It's not about the bandits and it's not about the robberies. It's about a family that was kind of fractured, a kid that was bratty and needed to grow up, that in the growth of this family had a mother that needed to give a kid some independence yeah. and all this thing came together. That was the core of the story. All the other stuff just helped move it along. 
Right. It right. had heart. There yeah. was a heart. Yeah. When you rip out the heart, yes, exactly. Then there's no, exactly. there's nothing beating, and it's just a, a zombie monster <laughs> of crap. I know that they wanted to do at some point a sequel. What it was going to be, Kevin's kid. Kevin, yeah, yeah, and have you him know. have Kim cameo. Yeah, and have him be the parent that leaves the kid home alone. Right. Which would have been. So funny because it's just like <laughs> I can't believe I did what my mom did. Yeah. You know, it just it would have been excellent. All right, well we're out of time, so uh, uh, enjoy the beginning of your Thanksgiving season. Thanks, getting it's Thanks, getting because we're you're getting a lot of stuff from us. <laughs> we'll be back next week with a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. Yeah, blockhead. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Another the beginning of the end of this. <laughs> We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Fantasy Island, already in progress. <laughs>